everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk podcast. This is Amy Bisson, and along with Mickey Dumont, we are the podcast twins, and we are the host of this podcast, which is produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our podcast, you will hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You will also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members, and we will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. As our school buildings began to close in an effort to flatten the COVID-19 curve, we also had to put our weekly podcasts on hold. We are happy to say that we are back for season three, and to start us off on the right foot, we are delighted to have the opportunity to speak with Nancy Chikarian, an extraordinary teacher, UTL member, building representative, and recent retiree. Nancy's extraordinary career spans 50, that's right, five zero years. Nancy was one of this year's AFT Massachusetts Distinguished K-12 Educators, a well-deserved honor for one of Lowell's finest. After 50 years as a Lowell public school teacher, Nancy retired at the end of June. She has, as you will hear, worn many hats throughout her distinguished career. As one of the original Lowell Teacher Academy mentors, Nancy has guided hundreds of new teachers, and she has served as a union-building representative for at least half of her career. In the words of her colleagues, Nancy, quote, has exemplified the unique qualities great teachers possess, wisdom, adaptability, and commitment. She harnesses strength calmly and convincingly to advocate for and secure better working and learning conditions for all staff and students. She has generously, without pause or hesitation, advanced progress, achieved goals, and has left an indelibly positive mark on our union, school culture, and community. We are so delighted that Nancy has agreed to sit down with us to chat about some of the changes she has seen and has been a part of over her extraordinary career. We also asked Nancy, who has been a stalwart building representative, to talk a little bit about the importance of union activism. So, without further delay, we are happy to share our conversation with exemplary educator and mentor, Nancy Chakarian. I was really trying to find more information on that strike we had. Remember we went on strike? Was that in 93? No, 88, I think. Oh, that's right. And um, I, you know what? It was so long ago. I know it was over a contract dispute. And I don't know. I don't quite remember what it was. I don't know if it was salary or language or what it was. But, you know, and it, and it didn't give me any more information in my, my research. I, I, that was horrible. Just, I think if somebody wrote a piece about it and just put it out there and just did like a synopsis of, I mean, you can Google it up, but it's amazing how far we've come, you know, and especially salary wise, because, um, what did you start? What was your salary when you started teaching? Oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember. Well, I started in 71 and my starting salary was $7,800. I was going to say it was in this, that single digit. Yeah. I, I couldn't have been paid 
much more. I mean, I was a year before you. Mickey. You were probably less, right? It it was not like um, in the twenty thousand or no, anything. not at all. It was it was so low. You it know? wasn't over, It wasn't even close to ten. No, so. it wasn't. Yeah, times have changed. That's they, incredible. That's they, a, I mean, the whole world has changed too. So yeah. you know, but uh, you know, so Paul Paul became president in nineteen ninety two. So in nineteen ninety two. Um, when he became president, our salaries were in the bottom 15%. Today, now, with all the work he's done, um, you know, now we're in the top 20% of all the other cities. So um, we've come a long, 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 long way. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have him to thank for that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think the younger people realize that. Because Mickey, we, have, we have good salaries. Mickey, how many of our current active teachers were hired after say 2000? Do you have any inkling or at least after ed reform? Uh, a, a pretty high percentage. Yeah. Pretty high. And, and normally in a normal year, I usually try to get statistics on that. Of course, this whole year, I, I couldn't even go there with so much happening. But uh, I should do that before school starts. Because I know that we're we're on the other side of the. Um, so there's a whole cohort of teachers who don't realize what it was like to not have a lunch break, an adequate lunch break. Not or only that, coverage the, for recess or any of those things that okay. you all lived with in mm -hmm. the uh, 80s. Not only not only that, but a high percentage of our teachers today began at the start of Ed Reform in 93. So they've so, never lived without MCAS. They don't know anything have, that the three right. of us lived through. They know nothing of that. Yeah. Right. Or Common Core. I mean, it, it just step back a little bit to Common Core and the whole effort to kind of dictate what you're going to say and give a teacher a script. I think the three of us find very confining. You know, it, it oh. takes the art out of the teaching. Yet it's at least in my mom. opinion. Yeah, this is the norm for most of our teachers today yeah. because they don't know what happened prior to that. I'm kind of That's hoping true. this whole pandemic thing will bring us back to that, to what it mm -hmm. used to be. Right, Nancy? Yes, I, I do hope so. Um, it took all that creativity away from us. Mm -hmm. You know, even as far as um, I can remember way back in my very first room, just doing bulletin boards. And, you know, the topic of your, your bulletin board could be academic, but it also could be celebrating a holiday. And yeah. We can't do that. We can't do that anymore. But mostly now I look back at my bulletin boards and, and they're full of anchor chats and student work, you know, things like that versus celebrating, mm. celebrating the kids, yeah. you know, celebrating their uh, diversity. Yeah, I remember at our school once, uh, this was the other change too, that um, we had in each grade, we had um, an English as a second language teacher who taught mm -hmm. half the day in their native language and half in English, mm -hmm. you know, and we were introducing them to um, the American culture mm -hmm. and holidays. And I, I remember, you know, one teacher in specific, you know, cooked a turkey and brought it in and did the stuffing. I did that. Did you do that? I too? did. That's Mitch Farrell and Mitch Farrell and I at the uh, LeBlanc School. We did that for years. She had sixth grade. I had first, and we always had a traditional Thanksgiving dinner 
I'd run home to get the turkey out of the oven because I lived two blocks away from the school and we had a blast. Yeah. We, we don't do that. That's anymore. fantastic. Yeah. Because, um, you know, kids didn't know that they would, because no. there was that influx yeah. of the Asian yeah. population. And then once the uh, population got large and uh, we lost our neighborhood schools, that was another change. Taught for 50 years. Tell us about where, how many principals? So I have, um, I have worked through five principals, mm. okay, nine presidents <laughs> of the United <laughs> States, and 13 superintendents. Oh, wow. Wow. 13 superintendents. Now, I would have thought you would have had more principals than superintendents, but that's not the way it works in law. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I know when I counted them up and I did all the research, I thought, wow, this seems a little off, but mm. that's the way it works, you know? Mm. And before me, right before I got in, in 1970, Vincent McCartan was principal for 36 years. So all through my elementary. You mean superintendent? Super, I'm sorry, superintendent. Did I say principal? <laughs> yeah, superintendent. Yeah, can you imagine that? I know. He had a, a good long run. Yeah. Nancy, have you always taught second grade? I have always taught second grade. Oh. That has been my, sort of like my base grade of that age group. But I've taught almost every grade level. You know, from high school, I did uh, ESOL for adults. I did GED at night at the high school. I did the Talented and Gifted program as a teacher. Oh. And um, that went up to six grade so that was that was like second third fourth fifth sixth and then I became a facilitator when I was a teacher I worked with Robin Desmond's mother the uh, first year she and I co-taught and it was uh, a hands-on science program oh nice um right and then what else did I do I did a lot of other I did summer school I did sped summer school for a number of years with um children who were handicapped and mm -hmm. I loved it I every summer I looked forward to that program it was just awesome because you know, you'd work with them and then you'd come back the next summer and then you'd see how much growth they made. You know, that was, I thought it was a wonderful program. Mm. And then I did the Century 21 program, you know. So I've worked with um, CSA students. I've worked with just so many. I, I was, uh, I substituted for, uh, and this is funny the way that it worked out. I, I had a student teacher. I had many student teachers from Fitchburg State. That was another one of my my um, projects that I loved. That in mentoring, mm -hmm. but I had a girl one year, and there was this one cert program. I can't remember the name of it, but she became my student teacher for the full year. I had spoken to a lot of supervisors, you know, through the years of the student teachers that I had, saying. You know, when are they going to do that? When are they going to let student teachers come in for a longer period of time mm. than just eight weeks per station? Because that's not no. really not enough. enough, is it? But this one year, this one and only year, I had I had this teacher come in partway through the year in February. Our literacy teacher, well, she was um yeah, she was a literacy teacher at the time. They've changed all the titles, but yeah. she um had to go out on medical leave. So from February until June, I was asked to take over her position because the student teacher that I had since September already knew enough about the class in the classroom oh. and did such a good job that she took over my classroom. 
but I was able to do literacy, and that was um, the CSA classroom up to grade four. So I've taught a different, a lot of different grade levels yeah. in my career. Mm-hmm. So uh, not just to say that it was second grade, but my heart is with that age group. Yeah, I understand. Uh, <laughs> age group. Yeah, yeah. They're a lot of fun. Nancy, what do you miss most about the pre-reform ed curriculum and teaching? What do you miss most? I miss the creativity um, to do my own lessons, the way that I see best for my students. A lot of the the lessons are scripted. Um, We can't teach in a box. Students are not like that. They're unique. They have different learning styles. That's what I miss. And and not to say that we don't differentiate, because we do as teachers. Um, We're always differentiating. But it was uh, more of a time where you could create your own lessons and, you know, really get down to the nitty gritty of what these kids need and uh, teach what they need. That's what I miss. Couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, it just seems like something has been lost with all the scripting. And like you say, yeah, we're still differentiating, always have, but a teacher has certain strengths and that there's a lot of fun in figuring out the puzzle. You know, why, what do I need to do to help this kid move along? There's a, a lot right. of creativity that's been lost. Yeah, that's right, Amy. Um, it's more difficult, I think, now to teach than it was before. Yeah. Um, more restrictions, there are more laws that we need to adhere to. Um, you know, things have changed in that way too. Laws dictate mm-hmm. what we teach data our our curriculum is data driven um through testing lots and lots of testing um and so that's a big change too you've also seen the evaluation system change drastically over 50 years yes speak to that a little bit sure in the beginning uh, the principal would come in and um, at my school at the very beginning we didn't have an assistant principal it was only the principal Mm-hmm. So the principal would come in and sit and observe your lesson. Um, he would, uh, he, some, well, again, it was announced or unannounced. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that part stayed the same. Um, and then, you know, he would sit and observe you and take notes and then meet with you and debrief and, you know, um, just talk about your observation. There was anything that that the principal needed for you to do, of course you did it. Now it's a lot, and it was all handwritten, and you weren't rated. Mm-hmm. You were not rated. That was another thing. I think that that I don't agree with, because I, I think we all do a good job. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then that's what observations are for. We're to you know take that critiquing mm-hmm. to heart and just try to change yeah. um, for the better. But I, I don't like being rated exemplary or proficient you know needs improvements a, d- a different a different thing but so now it's um a whole different story um everything is done on the laptop you know we are i feel that we have a lot more unannounced observations mm-hmm. even though they're not called that i think we're we're you know being observed a lot a lot of times as they come in and out of our rooms um which is okay because it's nothing for us that 
you know, we've no one's hiding anything. Nobody's hiding anything. You know, if you want to come into my classroom, come in anytime, any day to see, um, to see what we're doing in here. Um, Also, the other thing, the positive thing is, you know, my principal has often said, uh, if there's anything that you're doing that you'd really like me to see, call me, you know, just have me come in um, just to celebrate Mm -hmm. what the kids are doing. That's terrific because otherwise it does feel somewhat punitive that Mm -hmm. there's uh, an administrator. It may feel like the administrator is looking for a gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's not the point of an evaluation or an assessment. As you said, the point is if you're not doing something to the best uh, of practice, there's a suggestion or a way to improve. That's right. That way should be made that way. And I think, you know, what, um, what also ties in is um, we instituted the mentoring program. GitHub, Paul got that up and going for us. And I, I was a mentor since the inception of it way back in 2006. I think it's the best program ever. I think we are the only city in Massachusetts that has this program. I'm not sure if anybody has come on lately, but um, it's a real big help to your first year teachers coming into Lowell Mm -hmm. um, to acclimate them to the curriculum, to the school, to the faculty, to everything that they really need to know. And every first year teacher is assigned a mentor. And so it ties in with that. Um, evaluation part too because we're also helping that first year teacher with their struggles so that improvement can be made or before they get into that observation yeah or if they have any questions or you know problems that they they need solved you know they can always come to their mentor wouldn't that have been wonderful to have as a beginning teacher yourself I think about my first year of teaching and what I didn't know Right. And what I really could have used for support and help from a seasoned veteran. And mm-hmm. I, I just think this program is terrific. It's it's a wonderful program. I, I go back to Amy and think about my first year. Mm-hmm. And I actually taught second grade in the gym because, <laughs> because uh, my classroom wasn't ready at the time. Um, they were putting two trailers out in the back of the school and they had a problem with permits and infrastructure and whatever. So um, I ended up being in the gym from September until April. Wow. I felt right. There was a fifth grade class uh, being taught at the other end of the gym. Um, The art teacher was in there also with her supplies. And um, I, I figured if I can make this, I make it through this year, I can make it through anything and look you what know. you did <laughs> i know right not thinking not knowing that 50 would be my target number it never was but I know, I know. you know but i i felt in a way i really felt isolated uh my, the other two second grade teachers were in another in another building um and so it was just the setup of the school and so i certainly would have loved to have been able to meet with a mentor weekly because mentoring, I, I, you know, I have much less experience than the two of you. I'm a career changer. So my mentoring was 
open the door <laughs> and say, help. <laughs> so I was lucky to be in a pod where there were uh, other teachers at my grade level or nearby anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's what mentoring was. Yeah. You know, just went to a colleague and, and, you know, a hundred percent of the time, Amy, I found that every colleague was more than happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. with whatever, you know. It's interesting, Nancy, you mentioned uh, you felt isolated being in the gym. Would you agree that back then, like say in the 70s, 80s, that a lot of us were really isolated anyway? There was not a, a whole lot of, hey, get get with your teams and collaborate. Right. That didn't happen till later on. So I spent maybe the first 15 years of teaching in my classroom by myself. I mean, yes, you, you talk to colleagues and you can give notes, et cetera, but there was none of the, the extensive collaboration that we see today, which I think is invaluable. So yes, um, Mary, Mary Ann, right, Mickey, I do, I agree um, that it, it really, what we did, we taught in isolation for a long time until you know we we were able to collaborate with our team members and have team planning and you know come planning time with our coaches and you know that really helped a lot a lot with them and new curriculum all the new curriculum since the 70s i i can remember teaching reading from a basil series Me too. And, <laughs> right and your, your colleague who is, was teaching from a different basil book published by a different company. I, know. I remember one time, so I remember one time in my school, um, there were three second grade teachers, including myself, and we all taught from three different basil books from diff, you know, published from different companies. Wow, but, I I don't even remember that. Yes, <laughs> I remember yes. basils. <laughs> right, and yeah, that is you know, scary. And you you took from it, um, you know, your phonics program, your spelling, your comprehension. Um, you you took from that basil. You know, it almost was like the whole language approach, which we went through that too. We did that. I kind whole of language. enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed doing that while it lasted. Um, because everything tied into each other, the phonics, the story, the comprehension, um, poetry, you know, you could get a lot out of it. I, I think the students understood better with, to make a connection like that, you know? No, I agree. I, I, no? I agree too. You know, the isolation of skills doesn't really benefit students mm. at all. They just see them as chunks of different things. That's right. There is no connection. Whereas in whole language, it was whole. It was total. That was uh, that was a lot of fun, and that's where teachers could use their creativity. Right? You know, Nancy. After fifty years of teaching, you kind of got robbed of a lot of celebratory events at the end of your career, and we'll never get over that. But <laughs> I, I'm, I can't even imagine how you feel. But one of the the uh, most noteworthy events was that you were awarded the AFT Massachusetts Distinguished Service Award, mm -hmm. which included a, a, you know, a huge celebration in Boston and uh, back here at home with UTL. So um, we just want to let you know that those things will happen at some point. So you just get you ready. Just, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> get ready because it's so well deserved after yeah. your commitment to, you know, the students, the educators, and the union. Yeah. Let's talk about your yeah. union involvement. 
You've been a union rep, a uh, building rep for what, 20? 25 years. years. About 25 years. Wow. Right. Some people's careers don't make it that long. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And, um, you know, I was, um, I got into the union through my coworker, um, Kim Forsythe. Kim oh, Marshall, sure. Who passed away. Yeah. And um, at the need was for a second, uh, a second, um, building right and so um no one else wanted to take the position so i said sure you know i'd be happy to do it i was honored to do it Mm -hmm. and the bug bit me (laughs) and (laughs) the union bug bug bit me and it just got its grip and never let me go you know And, and i you know in the future i still will be involved with the retirees uh I'm not That's good let, news. Let it <laughs> yeah. go. I'm just not going to let it go because I I truly do believe in it. You know, and I I tell all of our younger teachers, um, please get involved. Please stay involved. You know, after the uh, UTL building rep meetings, um, Karen Karen Walton, the other building rep, um, she and I would uh, debrief with the teachers a day or two after and so you know a lot of the teachers did come to those debriefing meetings Mm -hmm. uh, the 10 minute meetings and it's just to get them involved more you know in the happening in in the actual clockwork of the union itself Mm -hmm. you know I also tell my daughter who's a teacher a special ed teacher in Lowell get involved it's it's hard I think for the younger teachers who have children to uh, make that time I agree. and make that commitment. It, it's difficult. I mean, I, I have to say that. But I think yeah. once your your children grow up a little more, you know, um, you can become a little more involved in it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I know times that we've needed to um, show a strength um, in front of City Hall during a negotiation period. You were always there. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But... You know, the numbers were always good, especially the one in that horrible snowstorm. I know. People showed oh, tell up. Tell that story because I think you never can hear that enough. That was like um, the biggest thrill, but go ahead. No, I mean, it was just heartwarming to see people come out on, on a really bad stormy night just to support. Paul was in the building with the school committee, and we just came out in strength and in force just to show how much we believe you know, in Paul and what he is doing. And, you know, for for some person like Paul, for our president to fight for us, you know, so voraciously, he's just, he just so believes in, in what he does and just wants teachers to have that equity and fairness and, and what we deserve and the respect that we deserve because we don't always get the respect. Yeah, I, I will never forget that night, Nancy, because it was a very bad night weather-wise. Uh, the school committee was sure that no one would show up because it was so bad. So because of that, they did not cancel the meeting. Well, we had a, um, it was not called a strike office because those were not allowed, but it was an action office on Merrimack. And I remember, you know, we left that office to start walking up to city hall and we we were scared to death that no one would show up. And as we're walking, we could see people coming from all of the side streets to join on Merrimack Street to go right up to City Hall. And we were like, oh, my gosh, they're all showing up. And they did. It, I, was, it was just phenomenal. It was. It's such a good, good, good feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, when, and people do come out like that um, when it's necessary, you know, when they, they understand the severity yeah. of the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very important that we let the younger, the younger teachers know that union, union is number one. Uh, you've got to support it. We and need them. Yeah. We do we need, need them. them. We do need them. It's important for everyone to know that you don't need them just when you need them. That's right. They need to be there all the time. That's all correct. Time. Yeah. And, and a lot of times people, you know, I've heard, not a lot of times, but I've heard people say, well, what has the union done for us? And I shake. <laughs> but, you know, you can turn that around and say, well, gee, I don't know. What have you done for us? Because you're a union too. So, I mean... That's the mindset. We really need to promote the mindset that we are all one. We are deeply grateful to Nancy for her willingness to sit down with us today. When we asked, she didn't hesitate for a second. Nancy's dedication to her students, family, colleagues, the Lowell Public Schools, and the United Teachers of Lowell is going to be sorely missed. And we are counting on Nancy's continued advocacy for all of us continuing into her retirement with our Lowell Retirees Group. We once again thank all of you for tuning into this episode, our first for Season 3. We hope that if you enjoy what you hear, you will subscribe to our podcast using Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator. As always, we welcome your general comments and feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you are aware of a UTL member who might be willing, like Nancy, to sit down and share some experiences and expertise, please send us an email at utlstraighttalk at gmail.com. Until the next time, this is Amy Bisson and Nikki Dumont wishing you a great week.